And we're back. Well, tomorrow marks the Orange Shirt Day or the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, a time to reflect on and acknowledge the abuses suffered and the injustices faced by the country's Indigenous populations, while at the same time recognizing the culture, resilience, and history of the country's First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. Well, the Inu Nation has just wrapped up a gathering at Gull Island. That's where young and old gathered to spend some time on the land and meet with family and friends from Labrador, the North Coast, and right across Quebec. Well, I spoke with Grand Chief Etienne Rich about that. What a busy time for the Innu Nation. I understand you just came back from your gathering. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was very nice. And, uh, well, I think this is our night year doing that as a, as a community I gather in every fall and it started back in the uh, back in 2003 I think no 2013 <laughs> which is uh, well before that back in early 80s it happened back in early 80s it happened uh, around that area uh, uh, Churchill Road uh, there used to be a gathering there but uh, it hadn't happened for over 20 years, and then it happened again in uh, 2013, which is very nice. And one really good thing about it is because the uh, the community come come together, and uh, and you know, and you know that like the elders and from from different locations, from Natwashish, and some of the elders came from Quebec, just to just to uh, visit each other and talk to the people about the uh, uh, about the traditional way of eating lived before back in back in back in many years ago about the nomadic people how they lived, which is that's very interesting and uh, and as well the uh, it's really good for the young people as well just to. Just to uh, just to uh, listen to the elders, uh, what I have to say, and the uh, and uh, talking about everything. What's good thing about it is the uh, it's not just that because uh, it's very healthy mentally and just physically because everyone is uh, helping helping out each other and like setting up their tents and cutting their wood and pick up their boughs and. And and, uh, and people would go hunting for birds and rabbits and that kind of stuff, you know, eating traditional food. And and and, and I th- and I think looking at that, seeing the uh, young people, what's been happening and what you know people does, and it's very interesting because uh, a lot of young people would ask questions, and sometimes you can imagine when you think about. Some, like 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 myself, I was sitting in my tent. I was just thinking about our people, how they lived back in the century. And I was just saying to my wife one time, I said, imagine, imagine our people, ancestors, like that, living in the nomadic way. It was very healthy. They were very physically healthy and very uh, mentally healthy. Because they were working all the time, working out and uh, exercise, walking all day, 
try to set up their tents, rather than move around because you know our people were following the cavalry. A terrible, like, that's the most uh, an important animal in our culture. And, uh, and back in those, back in those days, and that's how our people survived about terrible. They followed the terrible all the way from uh, where we are right now, all the way to, uh, all the way to, uh, all the way to ancient. Uh, all the way to the, um, all the way to what you call it, what's a James Bay area of Ghana Bay, around the north, north of north of Maine, around the tip of Labrador, all around. They would travel by walking and and hauling their sled with their with their gear, with their food, especially. Think about like women. Like if they're pregnant and uh, long haul walking, and they were very, very, uh, very physically active, and very strong, I would say. And I was just sitting there thinking about the people. And imagine, imagine right now, and and as well in the summertime, they would paddle on a canoe. There's a lot of a uh, lot of gear on the canoe, and sometimes in the rapids or in the falls, they would just take the canoe and walk on the side of the river. Uh, those uh, there's a lot of them in in in, in the area <laughs> because we call those pakatan, pakatan mesquino, and uh, those are very important because. Because they don't paddle on the on the rapids or on the falls, they will just take out their stuff and they will just take the canoe and imagine the the, the canoe that Inu make using the all the wood and the and uh, and the canvas, which is as a very heavy, it's very heavy, it's a very heavy canoe. I was just thinking about it because I saw my late grandfather one time doing that. Lifting up the wood and putting put his wood on back on his back, and then he just carried 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 him walking in the woods. And uh, and like I said, like these are the kind of things like being being talked to the young people. And uh, and like I said, I was just sitting in my tent thinking about the how hard. How hard were when our people live used to live in the country in nomadic way and very healthy and i and I'm assuming that they were very happy that is a grand chief of the Inu nation Etienne rich uh, coming up now after the break we're going to hear more uh, from him about their recent gathering out around uh, Gull Island and what it means to them when we come back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. 
And we're back. Tomorrow is the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And members of the Innu Nation have for decades now been asserting their rights and culture, which has existed in Labrador for a thousand years or more. Uh, members of the Innu Nation recently gathered at Gull Island, where families from Natwishish, Shehishi, Trois-Rivières, and Iquanichit in Quebec met up to enjoy some time together living on the land. Here's more of my conversation with Innu Nation Grand Chief Etchin Rich. I was thinking as you were saying that, you know, how um, this nomadic way of life is a very adaptable one. Uh, you know, if things are not working out here, you move over there. Uh, so the ability to adapt and survive is, is that much greater than being, you know, stuck in one place, we'll say. Yes, yes, it's, it is really, because thinking about these days, like, like, I'm not that old, to be honest with you, but I used to spend a lot of time out in the country with my with my grandfather who has raised me and uh, who passed away about 26 years ago now my grandfather raised me as far as I can remember because I was in his care and uh, they told me that he had me when I was about one week old after I was born so he was the only one because I never met my grandmother because my grandmother passed away before I was born so my grandfather raised me, because, and uh, as far as I can remember, I remember he took me a lot, a lot of times in the country. Like, as far as I can remember, we used to go in the spring. We stayed there for three, three and a half months, and then in the fall again, same thing, three and a half months. So we're probably in the country for half of the year. And uh, when we when we come back in our community, because uh, my grandfather used to work a lot with construction, like he was building houses. Like he's probably one of the uh, one of the uh, uh, one of the uh, along along like uh, he was a long worker as a carpenter in our community in Shahajit and in Atwashish, because he moved back and forth in the community building houses during that time. But like I said, he used to take me a lot in the country, and that's what happened. Eh? Because uh, I have this, I have missed a lot of school days during that time, back in my teenage years. But, yeah, because I, uh, I remember when my grandfather said we have to go to the country, so I have no what to say anything. I just packed and we just go. And, but I want to stay in school but I enjoyed playing anything like sports and enjoying playing with my friends but he said when he said we, we gotta go so we gotta go I have no choice but anyway that's why I like that I hasn't really much in school because I missed a lot of school days because of that and which is which is I'm I'm well, thinking about it right now. Thinking about it right now. I was just thinking to myself, well, I'm very appreciative what he had to do because he taught me a lot of things and he talked to me a lot of things about the Inu, where they came from, how they lived, and he showed me what exactly Inu people do, especially with men how they work, building this, building that. And most importantly, importantly, it's how 
he's showing me how to clean the animals and how he should respect the animals and how he treat animals. And uh, he taught me everything. He showed me anything. And I learned a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff about Emo during that time. It sounds like you had a wonderful role model. It is a very, very wonderful role model, and I'm very appreciative, like I said. But, like I said, during the 14 and 15 years of, eight, of, my, of my age, I missed a lot of school. And, and here's, here's the other thing. Because myself... Because I never learned English to speak until I was probably about 14 years old. Because I was mostly speaking our language. We were mostly spending a lot of time out in the out in the bush, like setting up traps in the fall and fishing in the spring, hunting birds. Like when I say birds, like geese, ducks, and and partridge, and and so on. Like I said, it was it was very, very interesting, and seeing that and being taught. Like I don't know everything about Eno, but I I have heard and I have seen what what he showed me, what he taught me. And uh, because I remember, he he always say he would always say to me how important how important that for you as a young man to know where our people came from and to see how they live and how they live and uh, how they survive actually. And what they what they were doing during that time. I can remember, you know, years and years ago, speaking to a woman from, I think she was from the Cree Nation, and she had visited Labrador, and, and she said to me how envious she was of the Innu because they they had those connections to their culture. They had, uh, they spoke their own language, something that she said was kind of foreign to her. Yeah, it was very interesting because we met a lot of people, especially people from James Bay as well. And uh, you know, in across the country now, you probably heard about it as well, because there's a lot of people lost their culture and lost their language. And some of the indigenous people in across the country, they don't know their language. And I would just say to myself, we're lucky enough we're we're very lucky that we still have our language, which is a very important thing. And the other thing, and uh, and uh, and uh, and the other thing, like we do have a lot of people still. Now they're not very old people, and they still have not a not a, a lot of a uh, a knowledge, uh, the way they hunt with the animals and how to clean the animals and how to treat the animals, <laughs> like learning from their grandparents or, or from their parents, which is, that's how Inu people live. Because either, either, either a boy or girl, 
each parent or grandparent will always teach their young people like how important like how important to take care of the animals and uh, how to treat them to respect like like it's very that's very important because of our beliefs and how we how we live out in out in the bush for like how they survive and how they live because it's very important that to treat the animals very good and the uh, and uh, like like we're not doing any sport hunting we're we're hunting to survive to feed our people that's how that's how they live and uh, every piece of animal for example like caribou every piece of animal they use every piece of the part on the on the animal body like they always have something to use at pieces of the, of the part of the animal like like bones for example they use it as a scrapers to scrape the caribou hide and and the antlers they use that as a tools making arrowheads or anything like knives and like I said like every piece of that animal they 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 they, they use somehow anything of two to survive and 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 the meat especially to eat and the shelter like caribou hide like probably back in back in those days before the canvas like like we're using right now as a tent like that that was their shelter at the caribou hide and that was their clothing for young babies and and the woman and and the men and um, let me tell a story I was invited by I was invited one time in in Ottawa one of the museums and they showed me this it's probably more than 100 200 year old uh, a car- a caribou hide for a jacket that the hunter was using and seeing all kinds of a uh, different clothing for young people like a, a caribou hide as well and and the snowshoes they're babishing snowshoe using the caribou hide, like the, the like uh, how they how they make the snowshoes, and it was very emotional when you think about it because, hey, I was just thinking, hey, imagine our people had to live that way, and uh, and during that time they were very happy, and they weren't cold. They're using the clothing as a. They're using the clothing for from from the caribou. And imagine that thinking about if they're walking hunting during the cold days like January, February, and they managed to live and they were happy and they were they were well physically healthy. And now these days. Like I see a lot of machines. I do have one as well, like skidoos. 
we're using skidoos and we got proper jackets like Canada goose, very thick, warm, warm, warm coats. And I was just thinking about my our people and how they live, and it's just amazing when you think about it. And if you hear the stories from the elders, like where they came from and what they see, like that's the amazing, that's the amazing story that that something that you 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 got you got yourself thinking, eh? Like how they survive. Like it's just it's just really amazing how they live. That's Inu Nation Grand Chief Etienne Rich. And, you know, he spoke so passionately about the Inu people in their lives uh, that we'll be bringing you more of his conversation next week. In the meantime, tomorrow is the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Take some time to reflect or listen or learn more uh, about the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation and Indigenous peoples in uh, Canada. We'll be back on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening, everyone.